There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Come with me on a journey into the mind, into the misunderstood and mysterious world of neurodiversity, into a place of daring discovery and desperate darkness, but also, you know, fun. Come with me if you dare. Into the universe. Hello. It's you lot again. Why? <laughs> What are you rogues doing here, you devils? What what am I talking like? Why am I talking like that? That's how my family all talk. They all talk in this slightly bizarre uh, way where they go, you are a rogue and stuff like that. I'm not sure why. Well, I think I am sure why. I think I, I come from a heady brew of, of neurodiversity and we all, we never quite worked out how to talk normally. <laughs> Or what is known as normal, you know, a normal way to chat, just ordinary, just kind of talking about things in a in an everyday sort of way. I think in my household that was always seen as boring. Oh, it's boring <laughs> if you kind of tried to, you know, deal with someone head on or or discuss their their things or just sort of have a normal conversation. It was immediately quite boring. Life had to be mad and uh quite extreme and up and down and weird and oh you hello you rogues um you couldn't just be ordinary but god how i longed for the ordinary <laughs> the older i get the more i want the ordinary i was talking to my friend the other day we were chatting oh how are you doing yeah i'm getting bits of work you know how about you yeah yeah i'm getting bits of work but we both sort of agreed in all honesty we just wanted to sit in our gardens and have cups of tea and sort of write and think and do wonderful little podcasts like this. But other than that, just sit about because the ordinary was always locked away for us. <laughs> what am I talking about? It was. Do you feel like that? Did you grow up longing for an ordinary, normal stuff? Where I live, everyone's always very, um, yeah, but what is normal? You know, Do you ever get people who talk like that? And they go, yeah, but, <laughs> mate, what is normal? And normal's different to everyone. What is normal? And I'm like, not that. Not what I grew up with. That's not normal. Bless them. Bless them to bits. Nothing but love for that gang of rogues. <laughs> but it was not normal. Um, and I grew up longing for normal. I always had this obsession. Welcome to the show, by the way. I haven't even said... Oh, fuck. Okay, carry on. I always had this obsession with the knife and fork drawer, right, when I was growing up. I don't know if you had this. Just trying to make some order out of the chaos, out of the insanity. I mean, as we know, I've got ADHD. That's been diagnosed. I think I have autism. Welcome to Into the Neuroverse, where I chat about it. But what I always wanted was a knife and fork drawer where the knives and the forks and the spoons, let's not forget those little fellows... Or big fellows, some of them. But, well, the little... You get teaspoons, don't you? And then you get tablespoons. I, I feel like I'm very much teaching grandmother to suck eggs. Or, or you know, categorise spoons, as the saying goes. A little burp there. Forgive me. But we had, we had one of those things that goes in a drawer. You've seen them. You can get them from Ikea, where, where it separates the things. The knives, the forks, the spoons, the little spoons... Maybe an extra one for, you know, the odd fish knife, if we dare go there. Uh, pizza cutter? No, that's not very, that's not very oldie world. That would probably hang on a hook. I'm talking about a normal house, you know, a normal house. Not like, not like my wonderful, bizarre, neurodiverse house that I grew up in. And I used to, I, one of my favourite things as a kid, 
was to go through that draw because that draw, whether it, it, yes, it did it have the separator, the knife? Yes, it did. It had the knife and fork separator. But nothing was in the right place. Nothing. Not only so the knives and the forks were all mixed up and also they came from very different sets. Lots of different sets. Some of them were just, you know, plastic ones you got free. Sometimes there'd just be little bits of like a mayonnaise or a ketchup sachet, you know, that you get... Because my mum would always... My grand did this, and when my grand did this, my mum used to go, oh, she's doing it again. Now, of course, my mum does it. You know, we become these... We go in cycles. But, you know, if you ever go to a cafe or chip, fish and chip shop, just get loads of those uh, tomato ketchup um, sachets and mayonnaise sachets. I've got a couple in my fridge. God, I've become it as well that we've got from takeaways and you just keep them and they just sit there forever and they never get used because of course you buy a bottle of of tomato ketchup or a, a jar of mayonnaise don't you sometimes you get to use them occasionally you go we must use those let's use those but you, you always forget because you're neurodiverse and i try and do it now because i think well it's saving the planet saving a very small part of the planet let's be honest it's saving a bit of tomato ketchup but I try to use them now, but really I'm just following old patterns on. I convince myself that I'm doing it for the planet. I'm saving up those sachets of tomato and ketchup, sometimes vinegar, the odd mustard. Now that will get used because I never remember to buy any mustard. Um, is this what you tuned in for? I hope so. Anyway, you get the separator, wouldn't you, in your drawer. You pull out the drawer and there'd be a, a, a piece for the knives an, a, a piece for the knives, a, a, a little ditch, a little ditch for the knives, a little ditch for the forks, a little ditch for the spoons, a little ditch for the tiny spoons, maybe a big ditch for the fish knife, etc. We never had a fish knife. What is a fish? It's for cutting, it's for gutting fish. We never gutted fish. God's sake, what do you think we were? Anyway, I would spend hours just putting those things in the right places. Knives go there. Forks go there, and I clean it all out because it would just all be, you know, full of stuff. Knives go there, forks go there, spoons go there, little spoons go there, extra extra things go there. Chopsticks. Why would there be chopsticks? We never even used chopsticks. I don't think we ever even had a Chinese meal until well into the early 2000s. Um, and then little, you know, what else would there be? Elastic bands, just bits of food, obviously, you know, bits that were just... And, and some of the old night, for a long time, right, when my gran got very old, she had um, my gran, Edna, we used to call her Evil Edna. <laughs> after the, um, after, do you remember the evil television on um, on Willow the Wisp? If you remember that program, my, my poor old gran got called Evil Edna. I don't think, I don't know if she knew. She might have heard it. She might have heard it. Um, she was, she wasn't a. She wasn't a jolly soul, shall we say. She she um she's long gone, don't you worry, but she um she was a funny one. I remember um staying with my grandma once, staying in the bed with her when I was a little boy. Got a very strong memory. And uh I remember she had a lamp by her bed with a lampshade off. Well, that's weird, isn't it? We never had lamps in our house either. The other thing we never had were like glasses of water by your bed we never thought to have those and i don't know why and now you see I go, I go to bed i can't not have a glass of water what if i need a glass of water and i think i think what did we do what did we do did we just never get dry anyway she had this light lamp by her thing without a lampshade and i kept putting my finger over it because when you put your finger over it you can see i don't know if you're guessing by the way listeners but i haven't really prepared any material for today you might you might have guessed that this is this is a bit of an unplugged off script see what happens and we'll never try again but you put your thumb or finger thumb i can never say th's thumb is that a nottingham thing anyway th thor god of thunder you know all that stuff very weird you put your thumb on my finger over this light and you could see the light glowing through it, it felt magical it felt like i i had superpowers you know as a little boy just doing that and i remember my grand went oh that is a queer thing you're doing <laughs> <laughs> that is a queer thing you're doing. I don't think she meant queer in the modern sense. I like I like hearing queer in that sense. Like I hear like hearing gay when it means happy. We only hear it in an old song and it's like, oh, it's good to be gay and happy. You know, I mean maybe they're alluding to the fact they're actually gay. 
But um, that is a queer thing you're doing. The other thing I remember from that night, it's weirdly, so little I remember, you know. It, this is an ADHD thing, apparently, that you remember things like adverts, you know, and jingles and so on, but you can't remember what you did yesterday or, or you know, the most important moments in your life, like with your children or your 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 spouse, whatever, the, you could sort of only just, you know they happened, but you can't remember, but you can remember something like this, which was my gran saying, do you need, <laughs> she went, do you want me to sing you a song to help you get to sleep, like this. I went, okay. She went, I'll sing you a lovely song. And then, dear listener, she sort of <clears throat> cleared her throat and then she went, the wail, the wail of the banshee erupted from dear evil Edna. You know, some sort of old dance tune. I'm sorry, I'm looking, as I'm recording, I'm looking at the, the wavelengths and they are out of control. Edna's back, she's here with us. Oh, darling, you'll be, will be. Even as a child, I found it very funny that she was trying to help me get to sleep by essentially what would have been, you know, thought of as cruel in Guantanamo Bay. So, bless you. Bless you, dear old Edna May. She's gone. She's gone. They were an in interesting people. I don't want to use this as a kind of, you know, airing dirty laundry about the past, but I think it's all right. They're long gone, you know. But my, my gran, Edna, she... um. Just talking about things like um, this show's all about neurodiversity and trying to understand it and what it is. Now we know, all understand it much more, and um, feels like all of us have got it. If you if you speak to my pals, but it's yes. So she, uh, there's a lot of stories from the past, aren't there? Like of of people back, you know, pre, you know, the, the you know back in the forties or fifties or whatever, and there's these family stories that you learn. So, for example, my gran, Edna, she um, she went to bed. She just went to bed. At, when she was younger, you know, before I was born, but probably before my mum was born, just went to bed for at least months, possibly years. And it was just talked about in that, oh, yeah, Edna went to bed for months and months. You know, she never, as an adult, I, you would never guess she was depressed, I suppose. You didn't think that. I was a little kid. You know, she died when I was 16. I never even knew her before that I, well I mean I knew her as my gran singing this song she used to sit and watch blockbusters every day <laughs> um, she'd just sit and watch blockbusters and then off she'd go out to the bingo she was absolutely addicted to bingo completely addicted which again might be a neurodiverse thing you know absolute fixation and would cross this road she lived right by this super busy road by Mapley Hospital which was a, a mental institution, which I don't know if I've talked about on here before, but that was always the terror of Mapley Hospital within my life. Oh, you'll end up in Mapley. You'll end up in Mapley. You know, it was this general terror. Um, and it was considered this quite terrifying place. I used to be terrified of it because it was this huge sort of black tower, like a sort of obelisk. Quite, I've talked about my love of H.P. Lovecraft. You know, it could definitely, you could definitely imagine that tower being seen in um, a sort of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft uh, Cthulhu, you know, a tower to the ancient old, great old ones who will one day re-inherit the earth. If you know what I'm talking about, you do. If you don't, don't even worry about it. It's a very... H.P. Lovecraft, I've come to realise, just a very silly thing that some people, again, I think it's probably a neurodiverse thing, if I'm honest, get quite hooked on. And if you ask someone why... They'll tell you, I don't know why. There was a very funny joke, because um, H.P. Lovecraft talks about these ancient cosmic beings from beyond the stars and how they're kind of impossible to imagine. They're, they're made of shapes and angles that you could never fathom. No human brain. If you tried to think about it too long, it would drive you completely insane. Um, and the great old one, the king of the great old ones, or the high priest, is called Cthulhu which is a made-up name, you know, T-H-U. It's, <laughs> it's all it's all pretty wonderful and cool. But I love the idea that... But someone did a really funny little cartoon I saw on Twitter or something where he's... So Cthulhu, he describes as basically being a... Um, he says like a dragon octopus man, but a hundred feet tall or something. 
with big bat wings or dragon wings or whatever. And uh, so he does describe it, but then he says it's completely unimaginable. You can't, if you look at it, people in these books, they look at him and ju they just instantly go insane, right? <laughs> like they've seen it, they've gone, no, I've had enough, I'm insane. I'm sorry, that, I can see, I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that octopus dragon thing, no way. I'm insane, I'm checking out, guys, I am checking out. That's what happens in his books very regularly. But in this amusing cartoon, as I say, someone else did this. Feels bad that I'm as I'm like claiming it as myself, but it did make me giggle. That in this cartoon, um, it, it had him sitting with an artist, and the artist was drawing, and he was saying, "There's no way you can possibly draw this creature. There's no way a human brain could imagine because it had the head of an octopus and the body of a a man and the the wings of a dragon." And then this guy turns around and goes, "Oh, something like this," and he's just drawn exactly what he said which is a big man with dragon wings and an octopus head. And you just see H.P. Lovecraft going, oh, shit, <laughs> which did make me laugh. All his books are called things like The Unnameable, you know. Um, weirdly, if you're into H.P. Lovecraft, maybe I should do an H.P. Lovecraft pod. Let's do that. That'd be fun. If you're really into it, one of the best films, because there's not many films... There, there are a lot of films, but most of them, it's, it is very difficult to capture the magic of those stories without it seeming very just naff and just like bad doctor who or whatever as in as in bad effects you know um but what they one really good one is an old one or it, it felt good when i saw it 10 plus years ago maybe 20 years ago is the dulwich horror which is one of his favorite is it dulwich or dunwich dunwich horror i think anyway but what they do there which i thought was very clever weirdly dean stockwell's in it um ziggy from uh, Quantum Leap, not Ziggy, the man who holds Ziggy, whatever his name is. Anyway, he plays this um, this warlock type character, and he has a he's the, he he and his brother are the children of this um, this half demon. They're half demon, half of human sort of thing. But um, the way they show the great old ones is they just kind of show. It cuts to it. The great old ones in H.P. Lovecraft, these unfathomable, hideous creatures, as I say. But the way they show it is just like a bit like in, in Superman, where you see Zod trapped behind the ice. You know that bit? It's basically like that, but just these sort of naked, beardy men <laughs> with like weird face paint. But just they just look like weird hippies. But their, their teeth are all sort of gnarly and, and they're sort of going, ah, you know, and weirdly, it's really creepy. And I'm not sure why, but that that I think that was the first exposure I ever had to H.P. Lovecraft's wonderful mythos. And weirdly, that really got me much more than the big octopus head man, which you can't take seriously. There's no way to go, yeah, that's scary. No, no, it is scary. Look at it. It's got an octopus head and dragon. That is scary, guys. Come on. There's no way to see that as scary. Amazing. The whole thing's amazing. Don't get me wrong. Right, we need to backtrack a little bit. I've lost a ton of listeners who are here for neurodiversity and have just got me waffling on about the Call of Cthulhu. So where was I? So back one layer. We were at the Call of Cthulhu. Back to Mapley Hospital. Big Tower, as I say, and as I talk about it in my new show, yeah, they used to talk about it within my family. When you'd see the smoke... Coming out the top, they go, that's all the, that's them burning all the schizophrenics. Fucking hell. That's horrible, isn't it? What a horrible thing, which I believed. You know, you believe, you hear these things, you believe them. So, Mapley Hospital, the tower's no longer there, by the way. Um, Thatcher shut it all down. Well done. That helped, didn't it? No, it didn't. Did not help at all. Surprise, surprise. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is this tower was seen as this terrifying place and the hospital itself, within my family and within a lot of people I grew up with, Mapley Hospital was, oh, you don't want to be Mapley Hospital. And it, the image was this sort of Victorian, you know, hideous, like in Dracula with Renfeld, you know, that kind of horrific everyone in behind bars and sort of screaming and living in their own filth and all that stuff. Anyway, I was talking to my friend Pax about this because Pax actually grew up very near to me. And Pax uh, looked it up. And my friend Jamie looked it up, because as you know, I'm very bad at research, ADHD. I create these shows. I can't be bothered to do the research. I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn. I am doing better. And we looked it up, and it, it 
turns out that actually Mapley Hospital was incredibly progressive. It was, um, I think, founded in the 1920s, or at least taken over in the 1920s, by a man, a psychiatrist, who was the first to let patients out into the community, to let them lead normal life, to get rid of all the all the bars and shit and all the sort of hideous you know locked doors he he sort of got rid of all that gave people leisure activities and all that stuff and interesting when you um when you again i haven't actually listened to them but my friend explained they'd listened some oral histories from people who are in there and they said it was incredible you know really helped them um really helped them deal with whatever issues they had it was a very friendly open liberal as in you know you could do you could play uh, a ping pong you know they had talent contests they uh, and it's just it just struck me how outside of there all all the sort of ordinary people in inverted commas or you know not mad people normal people if you will are walking around you know doing things that are absolutely mad as hatters and and sort of living having with living with a lot of fear and a lot of terror and inside they're looking at us playing ping pong going god they're the they're off their heads do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's yeah i hope that makes sense so yes my gran would sing me those those songs and she going to the bingo little old lady wearing this in whatever weather with a little um little old ladies you don't get anymore you do get little old ladies but not like that you know she'd have the little scarf around her head tied up with a big glasses and um her perm and a sort of long raincoat, whatever the weather, with a little bag, just marching across this road, incredibly dangerous, fast cars, as she just doodle along, you know, completely oblivious to whether a car would hit her or not, just wander straight across. But it's interesting that time and those stories, those family stories, that just become legends within the family, which, again, you can look back and... Why had she gone to bed for all that time, you know? Why was she obsessed with bingo? It's her story to tell, but she can't tell it anymore. I kind of want to tell all these people's stories and understand a lot of them because they've all gone and it's this weird time in the back that's always in the back of my head. It's almost like this sort of landscape, a dreamscape almost, that has been created just through stories I've heard. It's one I didn't really experience. Um, and I have a lot of the stuff left over from that that age, photographs and all things like that. So I'll go back to that anyway. Anyway, we went on a fun little rant for 20 minutes there. Didn't we? Not a rant, just an exploration. This week's sort of lost for me. And, and then I've had some work on and writing and stuff. So I've ended up just kind of bashing some stuff together. But I've got a little thing. I want to talk about a fear dog having a pet a pet making a pet of your fear so that's what we're going to talk about after the break but one thing i wanted to talk about which is kind of relevant with everything that's going on at the minute is this conspiracy thing right so i had a moment a few months ago where i was uh, with a person who i didn't really know but i was chatting away to them in a scenario and they're very friendly in a scenario we're all in a scenario darling <laughs> but but they were chatting away to me and I ended up talking about ADHD and autism and the autism within my family and my, what I think is autism. What I, I think I have autism. I think I've established that. I'm on the journey to discovering. Again, I've got no closer. I forgive me. But anyway, we were chatting away and it comes up as it always bloody does. Uh, because of me, before I know it, my wife is like, you don't have to tell everyone you meet about this. But I end up talking about it, I end up talking about my family and stuff. Anyway, she said, um, she was chatting away, we were having a, it's quite, you know, normal, just conversation about it, normal. What's normal, mate? But anyway, we were chatting away, and then she suddenly went, of course, um, Jews can't get it, can they? I said, what, she's Jews, they can't, they can't get autism. And it really wrong-footed me, because I'd been chatting away in this really normal conversation and hadn't occurred to me that, you know, it didn't occur to this person might have a lot of misinformation. And I was so sort of relaxed. I went, oh, really? You know, <laughs> really? And I, and I, and she went, no, no, they can't get it. They can't get it. I went, oh, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, definitely. They can't get it. Yeah. And so I was like, 
And so I just kind of went, carried on, blah, blah, blah. They went, hang on a minute, hang on, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. And I remembered I've got a friend who's Jewish and autistic. And also just, what? I'm sure, I'm sure that can't be a thing. So I guess, why, why, what are you saying? Why are you saying this? <laughs> why are you saying this? It really threw me because, you know, when you're very relaxed and chatting and you feel like, oh, this is a person I can really have a lovely chat to. La la la, it's all very genial. And then they say something like that. And I said, oh, and then I said, uh, yeah, why have you got that? And she said, well, because because they don't have the injections, do they? So they can't get it. I said, what do you mean? Well, they won't have um, not inject, in vaccinations. They won't have vaccinations, so they can't get autism. So there's a lot of levels going on there. Immediately, I realise. Um, a, obviously, you're you're othering Jewish people and saying they can't get autism, which, as far as I know, I didn't. I haven't done any research because I'm like, if I do do research, the thing that will come up is crazy conspiracy theories, isn't it? So yeah, um, it's 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 you know it's othering, it's anti-Semitic essentially, and it's also saying that autism and neurodiversity you get it from vaccines, and the the just the gall of just saying that right and then I kind of went I don't, you can't say that you know because I realized and it really got to me because I I basically had overshared and then you realize oh I've overshared with someone who is uh, coming from a place of major misinformation and what really got me and I think this is the case with so much of the online stuff which I fear by create, I did have a bit of a moment where I like, God, am I creating this by doing my pod? Am I creating, you know, because I'm just waffling a load of shit to you guys. But yeah, so I said, where have you got it from? Where have you got it from? And she went, hey, 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 I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just reporting what I've seen. So what do you mean? She went, well, I'm, just, I'm just saying what I've seen, which they'd seen on Instagram or something. And that, oh my god, that really just hearing that upsets you so much. If you if you if you're like me, I mean, because that is not only feeding this because you are feeding it by saying it, you're feeding it. But that is not taking any responsibility for saying it. If you've said it, you do kind of believe it. You can't just say. Because otherwise, what would you say? You go, oh, yeah, I heard this mad thing or I heard a, a weird thing that apparently they can't get it. Is that, you know what I mean? Gee, that's not true, is it? Or is that true? Do you think there's any true? But this was said very much like it's a fact. And then backtracking. Oh, no, no, I just report what I see. So that was weird. I wanted to, I didn't tell that story for a while because I don't want, I very much doubt the person who said it will hear it. Maybe they will and go, oh, maybe I should stop doing that. But... I I haven't said who it is and I'm I don't want to. I've got no no uh interest in causing this person any uh difficulties. I just we can't go on like that, can we? I mean something has to change there. We've seen with conspiracy theories and online stuff how dangerous and horrible it can get. I mean the other thing that gets me is as I'm saying that, I'm like thinking, are you the listener thinking that I'm someone who's into conspiracy theories and I'm suggesting something? Ugh. The other thing that got me a while ago, this was after Trump got in and all that stuff, when we were in that very, you know, it's still a very scary time if you, unless you are a fan of Donald Trump. But that time where all the people who were big fans of his and of that kind of right-wing, extreme far right-wing thinking were all feeling like superheroes. They were feeling they're in the right, they're the aggrieved party. And I remember around the time I, I got very into Lemis. <laughs> I've never seen it live. I saw the film and I love the music. I mean, it's great. Don't deny it. Come on, don't you dare. I know you're thinking the same thing. It's wonderful. But I got well into listening to it. And, I, you know, the one day more and all that. Um, and the whole, like, uh, one day to a revolution or whatever. Uh, do you hear the people sing? It was so exciting and oh, invigorating. And then I had this moment where I thought, oh no, the people thinking that now and seeing themselves as the people singing and the revolution and fighting the tyranny are those people, are the Donald Trump people, are the, the 
you know, stop the steal people. Ugh, how gross is that? You know, the people seeing themselves as, as Marvel superheroes are often those people. I think that's probably why all the superhero stuff has gone what, you know, those people call very woke. It's gone, very, oh, it's frighteningly woke. Probably because they're like, well, we don't want to be them. <laughs> um, wonderful. I mean, superheroes, of course. I could talk about superheroes a lot. I'm thinking of starting a podcast about superheroes, and if you don't stop me, I bloody well will. But there, they were started as literally in a, a fight against Nazism, you know? Captain America, punching Hitler. I use that image for my second Anna Man show. Anna Man fights the fascists. How we stop the fascists. Got it. Even I've got... People always got the title wrong. You used to really piss me off, but now I've got it wrong. I had this... My wonderful friend Lucy Roslin painted this huge banner behind me of Anna Man punching Hitler. <laughs> it was wonderful. By the way, I've the if you were wondering, the death of Anna Man, which was the last Anna Man show I did, I've we did a recording. I finally got round to round to watching it. It took me absolute age to let myself watch it because I found it so hard watching myself. It's like ah, especially like that because in my head, <laughs> this is the maddest thing. In my head, I really thought when I was Anna Man because I become the character so much as everyone comments, but I forgot I don't actually, you know. I'm not a transformer. I don't literally become a robot or a, a sort of middle-aged actress or later middle. I don't. We don't know how old she is. Around sixty, let's say. Um, so that really, I was like, oh, <laughs> but it's still me, and I'm quite bulky. I'm quite bulky, especially I've been working out, as some of you know. And that was a bit of a shock. But you know what was really funny? I was watching it at first. I was like, oh, this is horrible. And then about 20 minutes in, I felt like I got the response that hopefully the audience, as in an audience who doesn't know or who start watching it and go, what's this? This is weird. 20 minutes in, I still went, oh, this is great. You know, and sort of forgot. This sounds very wanky, but I forgot I was watching my own show. I was like, oh, this is actually really good, isn't it? You know, I actually want to watch this. So that sounds good, doesn't it? I'm probably, as my friend Alan said, I'm probably the worst person to watch it. But I've sent back some notes very slow process but hopefully it will be on, on uh, available to watch on next up and itvx soon anyway love you all i'm going to be back for a short little bit after this where we talk about the fear dog i hope it makes some sense it made sense when i wrote it uh, please come and see my show in aberystwyth on the uh, check the Aberystwyth Comedy Festival. I'm pretty sure it's the 30th of October. Oh, I think that's right. I can't be bothered to look. Check it out and uh, come see it if you're there. Aberystwyth Festival is great. It's like the Machuntliff Festival, but in Aberystwyth with loads of brilliant comedians and stuff. Um, it's normally pretty rainy and grim. Aberystwyth holds a lot, a, a big place in my heart for many reasons. Um, partly my, my brother, James, who I lost, who I've talked about in in the show, A Death of Anna Man. He was kind of my inspiration for the whole, for Anna's sister, Jane. But it was in Aberystwyth I found out he was dying. So it's sort of, yeah. Go on. What do I say now? And now the break. <laughs> Don't forget, by the way, to like and review my show if you do like and want to review it, it's really helpful. Share it, pass it on and become a Patreon at patreon.com slash Colin Holt. You can give me some money if you want, if you want to keep this baby going. Um, see you after the break. Have a wonderful time. Don't do anything I want to sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion apply. See site for details. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. I hope you had a nice break. I really do. God, I do. I've I've been away for a while now. Well, I mean, a good, a good two hours, three hours maybe. What did we do? We finished Avengers, as you have to do. I put the children to bed. Um, I washed up. You don't need to know all this, do you? And I, I just listen back to the thing I was saying about the. Uh, the conspiracy theory person. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm sort of laying into this person because I sort of feel I feel bad for them really that they're going around believing this stuff. But I just I couldn't I can't quite believe you can go around believing this stuff. And then it's it's when people do that. Oh, I'm just reporting it. I'm just reporting it. I I don't I'm not saying I believe it or not. Oh, it goes through me. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this little one today. Um. I I hope you're having a wonderful day. I really do. I'd like to talk now about Magical Companion, number one. The Dog of Fear. (gasps) The Dog of Fear? That doesn't sound like a companion, Colin. That sounds awful. It sounds terrifying. My son is a big fan of dogs at the minute. He went through a long stage of not being able to be anywhere near any dogs because he was fucking terrified of them. Now... It's flipped. He loves him. He wants a pug called Happy. And sometimes he becomes the pug called Happy. And that's a lot of fun. And he, he spends a good a good 30 minutes going... Hur, 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 hur. It's probably the sweetest thing you could ever see in your whole life. It really is. But I want to talk about the fear dog, which I guess is similar because he feared the dog. It doesn't have to be a dog. It could be a cat. It could be a weasel. It could be a ferret, a stoat, a mole... Maybe the tiniest little mole. So I was thinking in my meditational writings, what I try and do, I do like a meditation and then I write afterwards. And then I, I sort of scavenge bits from it and then I I put it on here and, and hopefully some of you like it. And if you do like it, don't forget to, to share with a like and a review and all that stuff. Um, on that note, actually, I am doing more of these interviews with people, you know, because I, I don't know how long this can keep going. And I'm not sure how much people are into it or not, really. So I, I've set up with the interviews. I did one with Toby Williams last week, which I hope you enjoyed. And there's going to be lots more of those to come. I think I'm going to try sort of one of these, then an interview, one of these, one of few. Please let me know what you what you think of this, if you can, somehow. And also, please do... Um, Please do let me know if you've got any questions, because the whole the whole show is sort of meant to be about finding answers to questions that we have as neurodiverse people to help us navigate the uh, the the neuroverse, if you will. That I mean that's the whole title of the thing. Although I did see something. What was it? They <laughs> they had um, on on Instagram. I follow a lot of autistic and neurodiverse sort of channels uh, or handles, if you must. And someone said something about um, when someone explains to me how I should live my life instead of being autistic or something. Or, or when someone tries to give me tips on how to survive in with autism. And it was a, the photo of Matt Berry from um, the vampire thing. Going, hmm, yes, thank you. Very interesting. Or whatever. <laughs> Which I assume, it made me laugh. It's sort of like a sarcastic, you know... Mm, yes, thank you. So I hope no one who is neurodiverse thinks that's what I'm trying to do. Fuck no. I'm tr- I'm trying to... This is helping me as much as you. I'm not... If it's helping you at all. I'm certainly not trying to um, tell you how you should think or anything. I'm just trying to um, find answers. <laughs> okay, so the thing that came from my little meditation the other day... Right. 
was this thing of fear. I was thinking a lot about fear, and I'm going to get around it in a very roundabout way. I really am. You know that poem? I've talked about it somewhere else before, possibly on here. The love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. It's a bit of a one that that men of my age probably studied at 16 and now love, and they sort of mention it and think they're being very clever. Well, I'm going to do exactly the same. I'm not going to do the same. But I I often think about that line of, um, in short, I was afraid. Do you remember that line? In short, I was afraid. If you don't know the poem, I urge you to run and read it now. Pause this and go and read it. It's wonderful. Or read it afterwards if you want. I don't care. I don't care. But the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. <laughs> and it it's very it's very funny. It's very witty. It's about a man. My old drama teacher told me it's about a man trying to get a shag. But he was the kind of guy who'd say stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Basically just a guy trying to get a shag. All right, mate. But I think it, it is a man who is who feels like he's just one of those one of those people who aren't really anything because they never really tried. Although, as I was saying earlier, you know, I, I quite like the idea of just staying at a nice level now and not really having to do much. Was I saying that earlier? God, I can't listen back. I can't. I mean, I did. I just told you I listened back to some. But anyway, listen, come on, hang in there. So, yes, I quite like the idea of actually being a J. Alfred Prufrock these days. But I guess the whole idea is, you know, he goes, women women go to tea and he sort of wants to talk to them but never quite summons up the courage kind of thing. And um, he says, I'm not Prince Hamlet, nor was meant to be. I'm an attendant lord, one that will do to something something but basically he he says he's never going to be hamlet he's never going to be that guy which is quite sad isn't it i think that all the time but you know i think it less now i think now i'm a bit like i don't know if i'm that bothered about being hamlet i think in the past god why did i do that you know youth in my youth i would think oh no i know that's me that's me that is i'll never be hamlet oh god so boring anyway the point is he says In short, I was afraid, right? And I was thinking about this. I was remembering a time back when I was 16 and I had this lovely, wonderful memory of this time when I was 16 and I was with, uh, with a, with a girl, um, who I, who I very much adored and we were both into poetry and she had a boyfriend at the time. So it wasn't, it was platonic, but obviously we, I certainly would have liked her to be my girlfriend, and I think she felt the same. Oh, God, I sound like a, such a weirdo talking like this, don't I? But anyway, I have this... I do, if you've got ADHD or, or autism or... Um, well, I used to think this was a bipolar thing, right? But I often have these... I mean, I have crippling depression, as a lot of us do sometimes. Not so much anymore, but I used to a lot. But also I have these massive highs. <sighs> oh, unbelievable. Where it's sort of like... Like oh, everything becomes vivid, and I, everything's bright and light, and and there's 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 sort of energy and something coming off everything, like I'm in a painting or something, and every single thing is alive and connected and all this. I know I sound like an absolute fruitcake, but that's that's what happens. I remember um, the first time I really documented it. I was on I was writing my show Enemy of the World, which was my second solo show. It was all about villains. I played with these various villains, and it was about the art. Sort of what became about the idea that the world is just awful, you know, because these villains, dictators, and tyrants, they all just sort of control us and, and we're just meat and all this stuff, you know. And then I had this sort of vision. I was just walking down up, a, up the road in Camden and down or up. We don't know. Maybe I was the world was up and I was down. What? Anyway, and this water was streaming down, flooding down the corner of the curb, you know, and it somehow that just lit me up. My whole brain came alive. God, what was going on there? And I just saw how everything is just full of vibrancy. I was in a painting. I was walking through a painting, and God, I was connected to every single thing, and I wrote the line. I don't know if it's straight away, but after, in relation to that, and it's how I ended the show. I say, the world is packed tight with beautiful things. 
I love that line. I'm very proud of that. The world is packed tight with beautiful things. And then I sort of said, packed tight like atoms in a solid object, which was a, a sort of, it came to me. I remembered one random, I was very bad at science because I couldn't really pay attention, but I always remember the diagram of a solid object had more atoms in it, doesn't it? And they're all locked together. I mean, I don't understand it. I don't understand atoms. I barely understand science. I can barely make a cup of cocoa. But that rung true for me, the idea that the whole world is just full. Absolutely. It's like the Einstein thing, isn't it? That, you know, you can see the world as everything is a miracle or nothing is a miracle. And I tend to flip between the two. But, yeah, everything was a miracle then. Oh, a religious experience, perhaps. Perhaps. Anyway, that was a very lovely moment. I, I remember thinking back to this moment when I was I was with, with um, a, a friend who was a girl, but not my girlfriend. I think I'd written her a poem at this point. I wrote her a poem. She had a boyfriend, as I say, and I wrote her this poem. Anyway, we were, we were lying on the grass in this sort of bit of grass near my with the school we were both going to near the woods at the back of the school and we found this just open bit and it was just flooded with light summer day and it it was like like everything was just so bright <laughs> it was so wonderful oh my god i felt so alive i felt so alive back then you know lying on that grass and what would we have talked about? Poems, probably. Keats. We loved Keats. What would we have what would we have discussed? She wrote a poem to me when she called me Mr. Keats. <laughs> oh, what joyous times it was, you know? Now I wanna point out very clearly, uh I say this at the end of this bit of writing, but I'm very happy and in love with my wife, and have been for many, many years. And it's not me as a middle-aged man sort of having regrets or anything like that. I just remembered this very vibrant moment in my life. But I didn't, you know, I couldn't kiss her or anything like that. I couldn't quite know what to say. Because very awkward, of course, as you can imagine. Very awkward. Um, and as they say, in short, I was afraid. In short, I was afraid. And I was thinking about where fear. And how, you know, I don't want to be afraid anymore. No one does, do they? It's very hard at the minute with the world as it is. Climate change. God, Rishi Sunak has just turned back all the net zero things. What a fucking dick. I've got to say what a horrible gaggle of dicks they are. Really, though. <laughs> what an awful gaggle of dicks just dicking about in a gaggle. Sorry, that was frighteningly political. But I, I think we can't be afraid anymore. I went on a march with my, um, my daughter. Me and my daughter went to London to go on an Extinction Rebellion march. Family friendly, don't worry. I wasn't gluing myself to anything. And it felt good. There wasn't that many people there, I've got to be honest. But there wasn't that many people. But then she said to me, she said, is Greta Thunberg here? Because she loves Greta Thunberg. That's the sort of thing that those pricks on that, um, what's that Twitter handle? Uh, it didn't happen something like that where they sort of every time you say something nice like that they go yeah that didn't happen ah oh, fuck off but anyway very right wing a lot of those people very sort of 4chan you know whatever it's called but I am um, yeah she said is Greta Thunberg here because she really loves Greta Thunberg it's very hard to talk to her about this because I don't want to I don't want to flutter with these terrifying true things but also I want my dad used to take me on marches and it meant a lot to me and I want her to at least feel like we tried <laughs> when she has children and the world it's in an absolutely dreadful state oh we're being we're being boiled or in cooking terms we're being reduced she said is Greta Thunberg there and I I said oh I don't think she'll be here but anyway we looked it up online afterwards and, and she wasn't there but she was doing the same thing in Sweden at the same time and that made my daughter feel very very good you know she, yes you know yes we did it together oh <laughs> so yes fear so how do we deal with that whether you're neurodiverse or not, we're all being reduced, mate. But as neurodiverse, possibly, obviously it changes for everyone. It's different for everyone. But possibly you have a fear which can be crippling. 
and the fear can be about what to other people is very normal, very ordinary situation, a social situation, you know, and it's it's fear what kills and what makes you hate. Like with all those conspiracy stuff, you know, makes you do things or not do things that you regret, you know. And and what I, I want to do, what I've, I'm sort of half reading what I wrote, and a lot of it's absolute dribble, it really is. But I, I, I wrote this to myself. I need to take hold of that fear, right? And I was getting this vision when I was writing this. You take hold of the fear and you scrunch it up. I scrunch it up into a ball. Just imagine it, just a, a ball, and, and you hold it there, you see? Because you can't kill it. You can't actually kill the fear. You can't actually throw the fear away. It's there, right? It's not going anywhere. You've got it in a ball. So you need to hold it to yourself like, like it's the power of the sun, right? <laughs> like this ball of, of energy that you're sort of holding, holding here. Perhaps Daniel could put some sound effects here. Can you hear it, Daniel? Can you hear it? <laughs> you got to hold this. Is anyone still listening? you got to hold this ball here, right? Sheer terror, okay? Because you... You, you know, you have things... There's that lovely phrase in, in uh, Dune, the original film, and in the book, presumably, where he says, fear is the mind killer. Fear is the mind killer. I won't have fear. And I think, no. I mean, that's one option. Totally go for it if it works for you. But I think rather than that, grab the fear and, and hold the fear, right? In this ball, this power ball. And so instead of fear being the killer, instead of being the mind killer, fear is the fuel right so you transform it from from a thing that's that's destroying you and stopping you achieving stuff or, or getting through stuff to being the engine that drives you on the sheer terror of something knowing this is terrifying and as i say for neurodiverse people that can just be talking to a group or going along to a thing you know getting on a train especially a tube train stuff like that Ugh. you know but 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 holding it anyway um I, I found the fear of crowds, the fear of going in that walk, that march, terrifying. You know, as I've said before, getting on stage, I'm okay with, but being in a march and having to sort of go, what do we want? Climate justice. When do we want it? Now. Just the idea of doing that, I cannot handle. Anyway, you've got this ball of, of fear, right? You're holding it there. Uh, um, because you're holding it. You're not subsumed by it. You're not controlled by it because you've got it. You've got a hold of it. It's like, do you remember Ryu in Street Fighter 2? I think a lot of you, it's probably a strong hero of you. You know, before he does the Aduken. Aduken? Aduken. Come on, get it right. Aduken. <laughs> He's holding it, isn't he? Aduken. You know? It gives you strength and purpose. People look at you. They see someone with purpose. Oh, look, who's that guy with all that purpose? But all it is is someone who's acknowledged their fear, okay? And they're curious about their fear. And they understand their fear rather than going, no, 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 I don't want to look at that. I can't look at that. Understand it and, and hold it as a power source for themselves. Fuel your body with the fear. And then the body runs and the shell can operate. And that is being brave and that is daring, not running from the fear. You cannot run. Cannot run for the fear of some subsume you, subsume you, subsume you whole, the fear. Oh. And I think at that point in my life, lying on the grass, chatting about Keats, it was probably the greatest point of my whole life that far to that point. How wonderful it was. The whole world was alive with colour and sun. The sun had just gotten into everything as it always does. But you could actually feel it. You could see it. You could see for a moment how the light had gotten into everything. And we talked. But yes, I, I was afraid. I was afraid. I'm not saying I, should, I had to sort of lean over and kiss her or anything like that. But, you know, I was afraid to sort of just know what to say. Just didn't know what to say. My brother James, who I mentioned earlier, he used to say that. He used, I just don't know what to say. <laughs> I just freeze. I don't know what to say. Ah, uh, But it's still a wonderful, wonderful, happy memory, you know. Um, <laughs> anyway, we lost touch, of course, over the years. Um, and as I say, I'm extremely happy now and, and so very in love with my wife. I have been since the day we got together. Really, since the day I met her. We didn't get together the day I met her. 
But it's lovely to have that little memory, isn't it? It's like a little, little beautiful painting hung up in your mind somewhere. And who knows? Maybe it's best like that. Maybe I didn't need to, to uh, beat the fear there. But I just like the idea of going forward because I am very afraid. I think we're all very afraid, aren't we, really? And if you're not afraid, you're mad. Afraid of what's going to happen to the world, what's going to happen to the next generations, what's going to happen at the end of this podcast. Can't think of an ending. Didn't write one. Thought I did. Fuck. Oh, yes. The fear. So, anyway, Colin, you were talking about dog, and then you were banging about Street Fighter 2 and some weird religious shit about being on the grass with a girl. So, that's it. All right. I thought this, but I didn't write it down. So, you've got the Hyukin, the ball of the ball of energy, the power of the sun that's fueling you, okay? And you're holding it, but you can't walk around forever. You'd look mad, you know, holding this power. Letting it fuel you. Come on, I'm not afraid. I'm going to take the fear. I'm going to hold it. And I'm going to let it power me into this situation. And then gradually you see, you go, oh, it's not a ball of fire. Because that's quite, that would burn your fingers. It's a little dog. It's a lovely little pug called Happy. <laughs> and you're holding the fear, fear dog. It's your companion. You're holding the fear dog. You're stroking the fear dog. Oh, now you're like relaxed. You've got your fear dog. Yep, I know my fear's there. My terror is there. My terror of this situation, it's not going to go away. I can't just kill it. I can't just chuck it out in the bin. It's there with me, this little dog. And I'm going to pat it. And I'm going to love it. Obviously, you don't stand there like pretending to pat an invisible dog. I mean, you can. I've been watching Harvey again, the James Stewart film. God, that's wonderful, isn't it? So you can do that kind of thing if you must. But probably best you don't. And you just stroke the old dog. Or a new dog, I don't know, puppy. And then, eventually, maybe... If you're lucky, you get to put down the fear dog and he runs off to play. And you're completely there. Ah, the fear has gone for a little bit. Still there. It's your little pet. You've got to call him back. Fear, come back. Come on, happy. And then you pick him up again. And then you go to the next situation. And if you have to turn him into a ball of fire because it's very... Then you do. There we go. I hope you enjoyed that. As always, as everything I've ever done in my whole life, wasn't as good as I hoped it'd be. But I hope you had a lot of fun. Next week, it'll be an interview, hopefully, if I can get some sod to chat to me. In short, I was afraid, but I turned the fear into a dog. I mean, it's not as good a line. I'll give you that. Well, I hope you've had fun. I really do. And I hope you've learned a thing or two. Thanks to everyone. See you soon. Take care of yourselves. Be kind to yourself. Au revoir. Thank you for listening to Into the Neuroverse with me, Colin Holt. You can find me on Twitter at Colin Holt, on Instagram at Colin Holt Comedy. You can support the podcast if you like it and want to keep it going. Money is the best way to keep things going. Go to patreon.com slash Colin Holt and you can pay me anything up to one billion pounds a week. And I will happily take it. Any more than that is just greedy. A big thank you to at eyes on legs who did the music for this so find him on twitter and so on if you want to get him to do music for you at ed shots who did the original photograph thanks for listening thanks for all your support and please do uh, rate subscribe review and like wherever you can and i'll keep doing this as long as anyone's interested that could include myself i do lose interest very quickly. Also, make sure you check out my website, IamColinHolt.com, for all the latest news. Contact United Agents if you want to book me for any gigs or acting work or dancing work. I'm actually a very good dancer or anything like that. Or if you want to contact me direct, it's ColinHoltComedy at gmail.com. Thank you. Bye. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.